This podcast was recorded Thursday, November 9th at 12.34 p.m. Things may have changed by the time you hear this. Like now that Ohio voters have spoken and endorsed abortion rights and legal marijuana by clear majorities, leaders will move on to other issues. Yeah, right. Let's talk politics. This is Snollygoster, WOSU Public Media's weekly look at Ohio politics and all those Snollygosters, those shrewd politicians who respect the will of voters and then start planning ways to go around them. I'm Mike Thompson. Coming up on the podcast, a write-in candidate gets our Snollygoster of the Week award. But first, Ohio voters have spoken. Clear majorities of Ohioans support the Roe versus Wade standard of abortion rights and adult use of recreational marijuana. First to issue one, arguably the biggest issue on the ballot, and Ohio now joins other red states in which voters came down solidly in support of abortion and reproductive rights. Issue one passed with 57% of the vote, 14 points ahead and a half million votes more than the no side. Dr. Marcella Azevedo of Ohioans Physicians for Reproductive Rights declared victory Tuesday night. Because Ohioans stood up, from now on, the people of Ohio will get the care that they deserve from their doctors and their healthcare providers, respecting their wishes, their bodies, their lives, and their futures. Opponents to abortion rights, like Aaron Baer of the Center for Christian Virtue, vowed to fight on. We persevered for 50 years to overturn Roe v. Wade. Ours is a movement that has always endured and always will. Tomorrow, the work starts again. Joining us to discuss what happened this week and where we go from here is the newest member of the WOSU Public Media team, Anna Staver, the brand new host of All Sides with Anna Staver. Welcome. Thanks for having me. Boy, you know how to pick a week to start your show, huh? (laughs) (laughs) It's been a whirlwind. You know, you... Let's look. Let's start first with what happened. I think this is pretty simple. The polls for the past really 10, 15 years have shown a, a smallish but clear majority of Americans support abortion with restrictions, 55 percent to 58 percent. That's exactly what happened here. Yeah. And, you know, the polling here in Ohio since the Dobbs decision has been that consistent. Now, it was a little higher-ish, polling around 58 percent for most of the time. But, you know, polling at 58, landing at 57, that's pretty close. Yeah. And that, and that you saw the polls tick up after Dobbs. I think people weren't paying attention or really hadn't put a stake in the ground. But once it, that right went away, polling went up again. Yeah, and I think the the law here in Ohio had a lot to do with it. So right after the fall of Dobbs, the heartbeat law, which had been on pause, it was a very restrictive law, banned abortion after fetal cardiac activity was detected, which is about six weeks gestation. Mm-hmm. Also, that's about two weeks after your missed period. So a lot of women don't know they're pregnant. Yep. Um, we had that very famous case now, um, unfortunately, where a 10-year-old girl was raped. And the doctors here were not sure whether she qualified for a life of the mother exemption. And so she went to Indiana to have an abortion. And I think that was really fresh in people's minds. They were thinking, you know, if even if I don't support access to abortion in most cases, a 10-year-old rape victim sort of w- was beyond the pale for a lot of folks. Yeah, and even at that time, 
we, we'll get to the sort of how Republicans in, in, in Ohio are kind of not in, in tune with the voters. But even then, Republicans stepped in it by saying, this, we don't believe this. This is an abortion rights activist in Indiana who's making this story up. Dave Yost, the attorney general, was out front doubting the story. Yeah. And so I was at the Columbus Dispatch at that time. Mm-hmm. I was working for the, the state house team for Gannett. And we were involved in the, the, the building out of that story. And yeah, I just remember there was all of that very heavy criticism of us for being like, this isn't true. And then Bethany Bruner, the reporter there, found the case in Franklin County. And we very much then sort of said, here, here is the guy. He's been arrested. He exists. This story is true. And, you know, Dave Yost never never really said anything about that. Yeah, he's a former journalist, too, which I found ultimately ironic in this. But it just shows you the, the passion for this issue. And it's us against them. Both sides were in their camp. Let's look at the campaign strategy. The yes side, the yes on issue one side, they were pretty disciplined. They said that Ohio's heartbeat law, the six-week ban, was extreme and that government should not be allowed, should not be involved in health care decisions. Yeah, they, they kept talking about a return to Roe. And whether you believe that that is an accurate interpretation of this constitutional amendment or not, because the no side did not, that they had a very effective strategy. They were sort of saying, if you don't put this in the Constitution, if you don't take this away from state lawmakers where, you know, Republicans dominate, if you don't protect this, they're going to not only do this six-week ban, but, you know, they have introduced life begins at conception legislation. And this was something that even... You know, Governor Mike DeWine, a staunch pro-life Republican, had to come out and try to push back on in the final days of the campaign. Yeah. And looking to the to the no side, to me, it just seemed like they were they were flailing. They just they knew that the polls were if it was just straight up. Do you support abortion rights? The Roe standard they were going to lose. And they had to come up with different ways to cast doubt. What do you think of their side? So I think they landed on the right argument a little too late. So what the governor was talking about when he he cut this ad where him and his wife look directly at the camera and say, look, if you support abortion, you shouldn't support this amendment. They they were trying to say this amendment has a lot of unintended consequences. It has vague language. It may reverse parental rights. And, you know, I think a lot of parents say I should be involved in the medical decisions of my 10, 12, 15-year-old children. Um, so I think this was probably the winning argument. I just don't think it coalesced until it was too late. Yeah, there was there was a lot of it was a lot of disagreement among the no on one side. You know, there was even talk that maybe we should put another amendment on the ballot, maybe a 12-week ban or a 15-week ban. That never happened. And you had the Protect Women Ohio, which was the main group. But then you had this Created Equal group, and they were putting up ads that were very extreme. I saw one this weekend where they were pointing out, you know, the dozen or so women that had bad consequences from abortions. Very, 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 very rare cases, but they were making it sound like it was commonplace. And people just saw right through that. Yeah, I think this is the real challenge. So you have a group of lawmakers in the state legislature who do believe life is begins at conception. This is not a political issue for them. It's, it's a, a moral, moral issue. One. Yeah, and you don't compromise on morals, whereas you can compromise on politics. Mm-hmm. And they're really having this moment. You know, we spoke with Aaron Bear on all sides mm-hmm. after the election, and they're really having this moment where they have to have a conversation about if you oppose abortion— and if you can't change sort of the hearts and minds of voters, then maybe you do need to compromise on 12 weeks, on 15 weeks. Yeah, let's let's 
let's look at what happens next. Abortion rights supporters are poised to challenge all of Ohio's abortion restrictions. They were to meet with reporters on Thursday to lay out their plans. State Representative Brian Stewart appeared on your show, Anna, all sides with Anna Staver this week, and indicated his fellow Republicans were not quite ready to just let the amendment live unchallenged. You kind of have this incongruity now between what issue one arguably allows for compared to what Ohioans in polling consistently tell us that they uh, do and don't support. My read of issue one is I think there's a lot of people who may have voted yes, even though they don't support, you know, quite a few things that are in it, but, you know, agreed with a certain baseline of it. Later in that same show, Democratic House Minority Leader Allison Russo was having none of that. When we hear talk like this, you know, basically saying we are going to ignore the will of voters and do whatever we want to do because we know best, that is the action of autocratic governments. And that is a complete disrespect for democracy. And you've covered this legislature. What do they do next? What do the, the hardcore Republicans who do believe that abortion is a moral issue, they believe it is wrong, what do they do now? Well, if you believe the words of Senate President Matt Huffman at the what in a statement that he released on election night, it's there's going to be a revolving door of votes and amendments until they land on something that they can live with. And that could start as early as March. That's some speculation because there's a March <laughs> primary coming up. It's about four months away. Yeah, and that would be a smart time if they could do it that fast because think about who the electorate will be in March, right? We're going to have a three-way Republican primary for U.S. Senate. Mm-hmm. We're going to have a however many candidate primary for U.S. president on the Republican side. But there's not no going to be a challenge to Biden. There's not going to be a challenge to Sherrod Brown. So who's voting in that election it is going to be Republicans overwhelmingly. Yeah, but you have to figure if they put this back on the ballot in March, the Democrats and the independents will come out and they can take an issue ballot. And we, and I just, oh, it's going to be wild. I, I, I just can't. They've, they've lost now twice. The proxy vote in August, basically the same margin as we had this week. I just can't can't see them coming back this quickly. Yeah. And, you know, Representative Stewart sort of alluded to this idea that perhaps, in his opinion, that the amendment will have unintended consequences. Like if it were to unwind parental consent, if it if the exemption for the health of the mother post viability were to be sort of abused, in his opinion, that might change public sentiment. So I think maybe he has the right, the look on this to say that if this gets into practice and we see how it's being done and perhaps it, it unfolds in a way that Ohioans are uncomfortable with, that might be the time to come back and revisit it. Yeah. You know, you look at what happened in Michigan, and they have not messed with the parental consent aspects of it. I think the the abortion rights supporters and their allies in the legislature, they know when they would so-called jump the shark. And I think the, the, the waiting period may be challenged, the transfer agreements may be challenged, but I think, and then of course the heartbeat law, should it ever get to the Supreme Court, would be challenged. But, you know, I have to see how this all plays out. We'll be right back. Did you know you are physically adapting to all your swiping, scrolling, and tapping? We're changing our bodies and what they're able to do through our habits. NPR's Body Electric, a special interactive series investigating how to fix the relationship between our tech and our health. Listen in the TED Radio Hour feed wherever you get your podcasts. 
Uh, issue two on the ballot, legalized recreational marijuana, or what we like to call marijuana for fun. It, too, passed by a 57 to 43 percent margin. A half million more Ohio voters want legal pot than don't. And again, the polls were right. The, the poll that we saw this summer, 57, 58 percent support legal weed. That's what we got this week. Yeah, I also think, you know, Ohio is the 24th state in the nation to legalize recreational marijuana. A majority already have medical marijuana. I, I don't know if it's like inevitability, but I think we're sort of barreling towards federal legalization. Yeah, I, it's just a matter of time. I think more and more states do it. They see now there are conflicting studies about, you know, workplaces and traffic accidents. But most states that have done this have not seen the world cave in around them. Yeah, there's a so in Colorado, it's also how you parse the data. So I used to live in Colorado for a couple mm -hmm. of years, worked for the Denver Post. And, um, you know, they talk about the rise in traffic accidents in Denver since the legalization, but they also don't mention the rise in population since legalization. Now, it, one is not related to the other necessarily, but, you know, Colorado's population has exploded so much so that they added another congressional seat in the last redistricting. So, you know, when you're talking about an ink, it's not really an apples to apples or a fair comparison to say, hey, traffic accidents have gone up, but also the population has shot up. Yeah. And it's, it's still a relatively new phenomenon, industry, practice, because when did Colorado legalize it? It's been less than 10 years, right? About Just 10 a, years? Right around a decade. And, yeah. you know, they were amongst the first in the nation to do so. So they've sort of had legal weed the longest. Yeah. And it, I go back to my home state of Massachusetts. It's, it's been legal there for quite a while. And the biggest change you see is that every single billboard is touting a, a, a dispensary. <laughs> Stop at this exit. One exit on the Massachusetts Turnpike says the dispensary is 420 yards off the exit ramp. <laughs> so creative marketing there. We'll see. That's coming to Ohio soon. But this is not a constitutional amendment. This is just an initiated statute. They needed fewer signatures to get on the ballot. So that was the advantage for the supporters of this. The problem is now, Anna, lawmakers could come back next week and say, you know what? We don't like this law. We're going to repeal it completely. What are the chances of that, do you think? Uh, it's possible. So, again, Senate President Matt Huffton, Huffman is a longtime opponent of legal marijuana. And, you know, he's sort of talked openly about looking at the tax structure, uh, looking at the concentration of THC. So how strong something can be if you drink alcohol. This is kind of the equivalent of, you know, tequila versus beer. Yeah. Um, and, I, you know, I think in conversations with Republicans over the last couple of days, my real takeaway is that I think they're right when they say that Ohioans voted to legalize recreational marijuana. That's what they were doing when they went to the polls. They probably also were voting to legalize home grow, right? That was, that's been one of the fights over medical. Yep. But beyond that, I don't know that most Ohioans have strong opinions about the different buckets of that the tax dollars are going to go into. Or if, say, we go from a 10% tax to a 13% tax. Or if they want to change some of, like, the security, how we track from, like, seed to sale. Mm -hmm. And so I get the sense that there's probably, A, it's easier to change this law, but, B, we may see more movement on some of these issues. But a 14-point margin, it would be really bold for lawmakers to say, we're going to make it illegal again. I mean, I just that that to me would be really that would prompt a lot of anger, be a lot of blowback there. Well, I think you'd probably see a constitutional amendment then. They would come back and say, OK, let's take this out of the hands of lawmakers, which would be interesting because 
you know, in August when we were talking about that issue, a lot of the proponents of that issue were saying, you know, abortion, marijuana, minimum wage, casino gambling don't belong in the Constitution. They belong in the Ohio Revised Code. And so to do something like this and push them towards an amendment sort of seems antithetical to that. Any regrets, do you think, on the part of lawmakers that they did not see this coming and should have. They did it with medical marijuana. They 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 passed the law themselves. They didn't want to do it, but they saw the vote coming, so they they wrote the rules themselves. Any regret they didn't do that with this one? I don't know. I think some people, yes. Some people, no. You know, what was interesting at the end of our conversation with Aaron Bear, his organization, um, the Center for Christian Virtue, also opposed recreational marijuana and said they regretted that they didn't have time to campaign against it. But, you know, he said is you get another bite at the apple. So mm. not acting when they had the chance didn't mean that they couldn't act ever again. Yeah, you have to figure, too. Now it's in the legislative arena again. And the marijuana growers and retailers, they've got some money. They've got some lobbyists. They've got some campaign donations. They might be able to influence lawmakers uh, in the next few weeks. But uh, 30 days for both of these things to go into effect. So we, the lawmakers will have to move fast, especially on the pop. Yeah, I, I would be surprised if they got together on a cohesive idea for changing marijuana in 30 days. Which means the law takes effect. At least it starts. The process starts. Anna Staver, welcome to All Sides. You're done talking politics for the week. Almost. <laughs> Almost. <laughs> Thanks for joining us here on All Sides. Time now for our Snollygoster of the Week segment, where we honor the shrewdest politician or political move of the week. And this week, it goes to Marysville City Council member-elect Stephen Wolf. Wolf was a write-in candidate in the city northwest of Columbus, and he knocked out an incumbent city council member. He beat Aaron Carpenter. Carpenter was vulnerable. He has been a true lightning rod in that Union County city. He is an election denier. He attended the then-President Trump's Stop the Steal rally in Washington, D.C. on January 6, 2021. He marched to the Capitol. He says he did not storm the Capitol or witness any violence, which he condemned quickly that day. But he continues to say that Joe Biden stole the election and is an illegitimate president. So he was vulnerable. So... Carpenter was, during his time, the subject of a Change.org petition drive and a short-lived recall effort. And now a write-in candidate, Stephen Wolf, a conservative. He's, he's no liberal. He's a conservative who once served as an intern for Congressman Jim Jordan, knocked him off in the margin, 15 votes as of right now. 15 votes. So for launching a write-in campaign, defeating an incumbent and winning by just more than a dozen votes, Stephen Wolf of Marysville, Ohio, gets our Snollygoster of the Week Award. That'll do it for this week's edition of Snollygoster, which is part of the NPR Network. Thanks to our audio engineer, Dalton Jones, our student producer, Katie Genius, and our digital producer, Michael DeBonis. I'm Mike Thompson for Snollygoster from WOSU Public Media. After all this nasty drama of the past few months, we leave on a lighter note, thanks to this timeless hit from Brewer in Shipley. Have a good week. Train is on.